Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. Because I'm motivated by something bigger than myself. So I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Here, my abilities contribute to our mission. Agency professionals have extraordinary integrity and exceptional talents. And every day, we do work that's incredibly important. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov slash careers to learn more and apply. And what's up, what's up? It is GC Live. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark rolling right along on a Tuesday afternoon, getting you ready a little bit for Gamecocks versus Georgia. And, of course, um, our daily sort of – trends and vibes and thoughts and information on South Carolina's ongoing coaching search, which hopefully you've all been following on GamecockCentral.com. And of course, right here on the GC live show as well. We are brought to you by affordable medical. Check them out at affordablemedicalusa.com, 803-926-1493. And they are home of the game day chair. Uh, Chris Clark, what's up, man? What's going on, man? We're, we're, uh, we're rolling in here. Um, coming in hot today, right on the two o'clock mark, or a little bit after. But we've been busy, yes. busy day already. Yes, busy a uh, couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Sort of. I mean, it's George. Is it? It is Georgia week. It is Thanksgiving. Um, but it just feels like the the consciousness of Gamecock Nation is on the future. You know, maybe some Luke Doty. Uh, thoughts there as well but I think that's partially because that really involves the future of the program as well and and maybe the the future of the quarterback position here at South Carolina of course Mike Bobo speaking today some players speaking today I think you've sort of seen man um, in a very short period of time Bobo has sort of tried to put his his stamp on the program with little changes and one small change that I, I think um, is very noticeable is, is that he's trusted Luke Doty, a, a true freshman, to talk to the media now. That, that's twice um, since Saturday, which is, I believe, two times more than than any freshman spoke for, for the entire Muschamp era, maybe. Yeah, I didn't see it a lot. And so and, and there have been a few little things that he's done. You know that you know whether it's just changing up the practice schedule or letting freshmen speak. What was the other? Oh, the other one was um, 
you know, an updated depth chart, which really in the grand scheme of things doesn't really mean a lot, but it's something else that people took note of, whether, whether fans or media. And so, yeah, Bobo's definitely tried to just, you know, an, an interim coach, you know, you never really are quite sure how they're going to handle it. Um, are, are they going to just sort of continue what's been being done in some ways, you know, they've do, done that some ways you're going to be limited, you know, completely overhauling personnel at certain spots. For, for instance, it's not something we really expected Mike Bobo to do because South Carolina is a limited in some spots and be limited by the fact that they're low on numbers. And he went over some of that today. They were already low on numbers going into the Missouri game. And now they're going to be down even more guys. It appears at least some that are out, some that are doubtful, some that are questionable. Um, and so the things that he could do, just, you know, maybe put some of his own personality in, um, do some things like let Luke Doty talk or, or whatever freshman. Obviously, people want to hear from Luke Doty just in general, but given that he got to play last week in the second half and given that he's got a really good shot to start against Georgia, uh, which Bobo said they've internally made that decision, not going to announce it. You know, those are the types of things. And, and Bobo has been really candid. He's been candid about injuries. He's been candid just about what he thinks of the team and the future and just a lot of different situations. And so I think people – look, people haven't expected that much the rest of this year as far as wins, as far as the scoreboard. Um, but I think those things, given the circumstances, people, uh, I guess, appreciate is maybe the best word I can think of it. Yeah, man, and I, I tell you, I, I think it, here's my thoughts on Mike Bobo so far. Um, obviously, let's put it, let's be diplomatic. Uh, he, he's he's not on our hot board as far as being the next head football coach, and you know I, I think that's primarily Chris because of um, he he's fresh off of what happened at, at Colorado State, right, and. With what happened at, you know, Florida with with Muschamp and sort of hiring a guy who who didn't work out, then turning around and and doing the same in this instance, really honestly, no matter what happens, the final three now two games, it was going to be really hard for for Bobo to ever be a true candidate for this job. Yep. But I will say, as far as what he has done internally in his short time with the program, I do appreciate sort of the effort, the energy of trying to switch things up and and flip things around a little bit, different practice structure. I've heard um, there's even been some changes internally about um, the players and, and cleaning up for themselves a little bit more within the football facility and just, Sort of those things where a lot of small things add up to to big things potentially. So I know Bobo's not really, it seems, in the running for, for the head job, but I, I do appreciate um his efforts, I, I think, as um as interim coach. He's tried to push all the buttons to try and get this get this team past the finish line. The move to put Connor Shaw on the field, I think while maybe obvious was also a really sharp, smart move. And, and even, you know, even Luke Doty today talking about how valuable it's been. I, I wondered, was the Connor Shaw element just for Luke in particular? I was like, all right, is this, a, is this overblown or is this really a, a big deal for him to have Connor down there on the sideline? The more I've picked up and the more Luke has been able to speak publicly now, I think it's been very important for, for, uh, for Luke to have Connor, who Luke said, I think, two different times, he's like, hey, this guy has a playing style or had a playing style very similar to mine. So just for, for Doty's growth, um, getting some playing time, I, I think it, it's been a really sharp move to, to get Connor on the field, even, even though Connor was already involved in the quarterback room. To, to take it a step farther, I, I think it has been nice. And I, I've just, I think it, it's worth taking time to appreciate Bobo at least having some some different ideas as opposed to just being like, well, the season's over. I'm probably not getting the job. Nobody's winning a championship. Let's just go through the motions and, and you know, let's end this thing. Uh, he's brought some energy 
and, and and I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, the little changes, you know, that he's made. And I think he made one last week that a lot of people wanted to see. And that was, you know, inserting Luke Doty into the game. And I think there were a few, you know, probably a few things that went into it. One being, um, you know, obviously there was just a spark needed. But secondly, I mean, when Shai Smith went down, that takes away your most dynamic playmaker other than Kevin Harris on this team. And so you needed to find a way to get another dose of, of athleticism and playmaking in there. And, and Luke Doty was that. And so uh, obviously we saw, you know, flashes of what he could do as Missouri, an outstanding defensive team. No, they're not. And, you know, they're shorthanded a little bit on both sides of the ball too on Saturday, which is why we didn't always see clean football, <laughs> you know, played on Saturday night. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think people, there did seem to be, to me, this is just my observation. It didn't result in a win, obviously, but, you know, there, there was more, I think, energy on the sideline on Saturday. You know, whether it was some of the changes, uh, Mike Bobo himself, I thought, brought some positive energy, you know, to the sideline. I spent a lot of time sort of observing him and his movements and what he was doing you know, how he was interacting with the players on Saturday. And it, and it was a little different. And so uh, that's something that I think we both use the same word, Wes. I think you can you can come to appreciate because they do still have to finish out this year. I mean, the guys that are out there, they're trying. Um, things don't look outstanding right now in terms of, you know, the prognosis for the rest of this year. But they're out there giving it a run. Things have not gone well this year. They're banged up. They got guys missing. You know, it's not a good situation right now. But internally, they seem to – you know, have, have resolved to try to just fight it out. And, and some of the little changes he made, I think, have been have been positive for this group just as far as morale and everything. Yeah, and Chris, so to sort of put it right there, I, I think – so there's more than one way to, to push a football team and coach a football team. We all know that. But I, I think Muschamp and the defensive staff and, and those guys um, – they're they're hard on their guys. They they expect a lot. This is this is not a staff that is known for. I don't think known for coddling players. I think they're known for for pushing players. And I, I did think it was it was interesting that Bobo um, basically he said this in post game Saturday. He said I, I told the whole staff everything we we're going to say is going to be positive. So. You know, there, there's a there's a time for positive reinforcement. There's a time for for you know getting on somebody, and from from that statement and just what you see and and hear, it sounds like the approach has been look. These guys have been through enough. Uh, it's been a long year. That's something you keep hearing that phrase a lot. It's been a long year. Um, all the protocols, not knowing if you're going to get to play, losing, then must champs out. It, it's it has been tough on some of these kids, I'm sure. But I, I think you, you look and, and to just say that that's called to me, that's called reading the room and realizing these guys have been beat down enough with everything that's happened. Let's go positive reinforcement all the way, the rest of the way, because there's enough adversity already <laughs> than to worry about coach being mad at me or being in the doghouse, basically. So, um, again, I can appreciate all that. I tell you, as far as, again, adversity, it seems like every year by the end of the year, South Carolina is dealing with injuries. Now, Chris, for me, it sort of feels like just across the country, every it seems like everybody between COVID, let's say between COVID, COVID contact tracing, and then true traditional injuries, um, it feels to me like um, – Every team is missing guys and is banged up and uh, is out. So injury update today, Shai Smith, um, doubtful for Saturday. Xavier Leggett, out for Saturday. You have several defensive guys. Um, Jordan Birch is questionable. Tonka Hemingway is questionable. Kira Thomas is questionable. Um, Jalen Foster, who spoke to the media, uh, also questionable. That surprised me. Didn't actually realize he was hurt. Um, but but the approach has been, look, everybody's banged up. We all know that. But if you're in the building, if you want to be here, and if you're cleared medically, just go give it your best shot 
and maybe even a little more emphasis on taking some pressure off and just having some fun and finishing off this season with your teammates, I feel like. Yeah, that's that's exactly the approach. And, you know, although things didn't go well on Saturday, like I said earlier, it, it looked like there was a little bit more energy. Um, obviously, South Carolina's narrowed it down personnel really just by um, process of elimination. You know, whether it's offensively or defensively, the personnel has been limited because of injuries mostly is, is where this team's at in terms of injuries. They've gotten down close to that mark, you know, and, and who knows, maybe they got some guys that are out for other reasons, but that's sort of where it is right now. So uh, yeah. And, and that's what it's all about is just trying to go out and, and finish the year as best as you can. Obviously they, they are going to be, it's going to be a tough go, you know, against this Georgia team that's extremely fast on defense offensively. We know they have a lot of talent. Maybe they figured out some things there offensively with JT Daniels playing quarterback. It's going to be a big challenge. You know, you're already down, you're already down Aaron Sterling, starting defensive lineman who's a senior. And now you're in a situation where his replacement, Tonka Hemingway, is questionable. You'd think he'd at least be banged up. Brad Johnson is out. Another guy who could play Sam or go play up front if they needed him to in that situation. You're thin at linebacker, thin in the secondary, losing three starters to opt out. So just a, just not a great personnel situation. Can't afford, you know, really any more injuries there just to be able to field, you know, a team at certain spots. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to just fight through all that. It's not ideal circumstances at all in these last two games of the season. Yep. And um, again, I keep using the word appreciate, but I think if you are a fan out there, you should appreciate the guys that have stuck it out. And, and that's not that's not to even say anything about the guys that haven't, but the kids that have sort of dug down and um, are going to go through the final few games with their teammates. Um, I think it, it does bring a, a full new appreciation um, from the fan base, or, or at least it should for those guys. Um, all right, let, let's maybe get into coaching search a little bit. Not a whole lot new there. And then we may circle back, depending on time, to questions and maybe a little bit to the Georgia game and a little bit about this Georgia team, which Chris is also apparently dealing with being banged up and, and injuries of their own and also dealing with, um, I don't know if I should say dealing with, but they also have had a coaching change uh, or excuse me, a quarterback change. I got coaching change on the brain. They've had a QB change last week that um, I think really affected their offense a little bit and, and their approach on, um, on offense. So a, a lot going on. But coaching search, I think you and I have been maybe working the phones. We're hoping to maybe have a new update on GamecockCentral.com um, here at some point today, maybe more like this evening. But uh, w- one question I continue to see, Chris, is a, a win. Like, as in when is it going to happen? And while other things have changed throughout the search already, the win – seems to, I would say, Chris, be fairly solid as when they hope to be done. And um, it, it sort of just seems like they're, they're on pace, they're on track to be able to to knock this thing out in a timely manner. Yeah, and, you know, what we've heard from the beginning is that South Carolina wanted to do something uh, before the early signing period, which is December 16th, runs for three days, the 16th through the 18th, if possible. And so that sort of opens up a whole box of questions as to, you know, is it possible? And then how much time do you need before the early signing period? You know, that the season, if South Carolina gets these last two games in, ends on December 5th. We know the SEC's makeup date is later than that. And so that could, you know, how would that affect things? We really don't know. Uh, But you got some candidates who are going to be playing games later, you know, say December 12th, conference title game potential December 19th. So, you got some candidates out there that could still be playing. You got some that may be available earlier. Uh, you got the possibility of you, you've, we've seen head coaching candidates remain with their teams for a time and sort of split duty, right? Between their new team, they're putting together a staff, they're recruiting maybe, and then the team that they're already on. You know, so it, it can make for some interesting dynamics. What we do know is the reasons for the decision of wanting, if possible, again to get to that date. And right now they're on track. It seems like to do it. It seems like things are progressing in a way to where they could, you know, have things set 
and hit that target date where they have a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of time. And so the reason you want to do that, obviously, be able to assess your current recruiting class, see if you can get some some guys signed early in January, in December who you'd like to keep, try to maybe hold off some other targets. Maybe a guy comes in that's got some connections, can get some guys to hold off until February. Lots of virtual stuff because, again, no in-person visits. And then just recruiting your own roster is the best way you can put it. Um, you know, with the transfer portal out there, with the possibility looming in January that some guys could leave free and clear at any program if the NCAA passes new legislation. It's just a way to stabilize your program just in general if you can get someone in early. And so you don't want to do that at the expense of getting a good candidate, a good new coach, obviously, but it is it does make a lot of sense as to why that would be the approach. Yeah, and and as we talked about, I think, yesterday, Chris, it's it's a new – it's a new world as far as coaching hires go. It's a new – you have to have a new approach. The early signing period obviously plays in. But then COVID and and the fact everything's over Zoom and, and all this stuff plays in as well. Transfer portal, as you said, that plays in as well. So not, not that you have to move fast, like you said, at the expense of making the right hire. But there is something to be said for not – putting your new coach behind from the very beginning, you know, as much as possible. So we'll we'll see how that looks. Speaking of the recruiting class, a little bit more movement last night. All all the nights run together. I think that was still last night. But uh, Simeon Price decommitting from South Carolina. He's an athlete from Florida. One of these kids, and and we we warned people that, um, you know, there's going to be decommitments. We said anybody that's potentially a defensive back that may, may be an area where you look you know, more strongly at as far as a possible decommitment. But um, I think defensive kids in general. Now, the, the first decommitment was Rodarius Thomas, a wide receiver. Now, he was also one of the most recent commitments as well. So not a guy that had been pledged for a long time, someone that had never visited you know, as far as an actual trip. So maybe someone that doesn't have the longstanding – connection to South Carolina, like a uh, Colton Gothier, who has maintained um, that he's, you know, firmly committed and, and sort of just hanging in there with all this. So I, Chris, would continue to anticipate some potential decommitments. I still think Trenelius Tatum is one to keep an eye on, the linebacker from Georgia. You know, there are some other guys as well. You know, you got George Wilson, who's a very highly thought of pass rusher. He was getting looks from other schools regardless, and I think anybody that's going to be pursued hard by other schools that have set coaching situations, you kind of have to keep an eye on. But uh, Simeon Price, I mean, that's a kid that I I think you and I both were intrigued by and and liked, really good athlete, um, tested off the charts at um, at some regional camps and and combines. And, um, you know, I I think – Maybe hurts a little bit, but also as par for the course. It's expected that you're gonna you're gonna take a haircut. You're gonna lose some guys if you uh, if you have a coaching change. Yeah, no doubt. And you know you're gonna have some guys that change for a variety of reasons. And another thing that you're gonna have is when the new coach comes in. You know you're going. We've seen this at South Carolina last time. We've seen it at multiple other programs. You're gonna have a new coach come in and assess the recruiting class, and say and make their own evaluations. There's going to be specific needs that they have in mind. They may look at one kid who's committed and say, we really like to go in another direction. They may look at another kid and say, this is a guy we'd really like to include. And then those conversations will be had. So uh, now which ones, you know, will go in that latter direction of, you know, taking a look and evaluating, so to speak, the class. We don't know that yet. We've gotten a lot of questions about that, but, but it's just not one we can answer. We, we have to see, you know, who the new coach is, when he's hired, sort of get feedback on, on all those different assessments. But you're going to have that two-way street of some guys that maybe choose to look around or just outright decommit like we've seen. Um, we don't know. You know, one question we've got, because I'm trying to get back in on Rodarius Thomas. I don't know. We're, we're just going to – Rodarius Thomas, Simeon Price, it depends on a variety of factors. And so a lot of that is, you know, just remains to be seen, and it'll have to shake out once a new staff is in place. I've seen some questions come through, Chris. Some things we've we've kind of hit on these before. 
but maybe worth reiterating because I know information can change quick. And, you know, we have, we have turnover, we have changeover on, on who's actually on the show from day to day, but Hugh freeze, we're being asked about him. That's not really somebody we've spent a whole lot of time talking about on our message board as of late. Um, we moved him way down on our last hot board. Didn't quite take him off the hot board at that time. That was on last Friday, I think. But to give you an idea, we even, I think we kicked it around, the idea of taking him off the hot board at, at that time. How, how Chris, would you phrase um, the situation right now with, with Hugh Freeze? It just does not seem like there's a lot of traction. And it, it also, it feels like there's maybe a sense from some people to phrase that as there's not a lot of traction on the Hugh Freeze side for South Carolina, whereas it sort of feels like it's kind of been the opposite to me. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, now Hugh Freeze was a guy that was expected to come up if there was an opening. Obviously, the job did open, you know, and, and people knew at that point that there was a that the job was going to officially open. So that's the sort of legwork phase of everything. And Hugh Freeze was part of those very early sort of discussions around the job as to, you know, what type of fit he'd be, what type of job he could do. And obviously the intrigue with him was just his offense, the job he does as a coach, him winning at Ole Miss, some of the signature wins that he got against Alabama, for example. And so there was some intrigue about that. But continuing to dive into it, that's why you go through the process. And Wes, this is what we've talked about, man. There's been a there have been some changes throughout this thing. You know, from the first, you know, iteration of maybe who was on the list, so to speak, to now. Uh, some guys have been added. Some guys have dropped off. I mean, it, it's just there's been a lot of changes, which is expected with a coaching search. Happens most of the time. You, you, you don't see a ton of them that just you get these names and those are the only names and, and nothing ever changes. A lot of times there's ebbs and flows to these things. This one's been no different. And so Freeze has been part of that ebb and flow to where it didn't take long. I mean, our, our first coaching search update, I believe on the Sunday night that Will Muschamp was dismissed, we said that, you know, we didn't think Hugh Freeze was a likely guy to get the job. And, and that's only really been reinforced in the, in the time period since this search began. And, you know, there's a lot of different reasons that go into that. Um, Hugh Freeze is interested in jumping back to the SEC at some point. From what I've heard, does he maybe prefer – you know, a bigger like an Auburn or a Tennessee may. Yes, I have heard that. But also South Carolina, you know, he's not been as high on the list here as maybe some people would just think just looking at his resume. And there and there are a lot of different things that go into that. Certainly the track record at Ole Miss with some of the off-field stuff and how it would affect things here from a recruiting standpoint or perception, all those different things, that's definitely weighed into the considerations. Well, according to um, one guy on Twitter last week, it's our fault that Freeze will not be here because like we job, talked badly of him. I'm lump- you're guilty by association. I'm I'm lumping you in as well. Um, Dalton asks uh, if VT opens up, why wouldn't Beamer go back to VT? What makes South Carolina a more appealing job than Virginia Tech for Beamer specifically? Um, I mean that's. For one, and I don't want to speak for for Shane Beamer. I don't think he's on the chat right now. He may be. I don't know. But um, I don't want to speak for him. But following in your father's foot, for one, following following your father's footsteps is tough when your father is a legend at a place like VT. The the expectations would be insane. You're instantly going to be compared to your dad at all times as someone who honestly probably already is going to have to deal with those comparisons regardless of of where they're at. So why sort of fuel those flames? But I I think, you know, it's, it's cliche when a coach says dream job because coaches use that in recruiting. They use that when they get a new job opening press conference. This is my dream job until my next dream job comes open basically. Um, But with that said, I, I think, being the head coach at the University of South Carolina, due to the the ties here, the time here before, I think they, I think Beamer and his family enjoyed being in Columbia. He's born in Charleston. This is a uh, 
a special state to um, to the Beamers, and I I didn't realize apparently his um, I was reading an article an an Oklahoma article about Beamer, and it was talking about his sister, and I don't remember when the article was from, but they they apparently live in Greenville, so the the ties to the state obviously they're ties to VT as well, but. To me, it's not really that far-fetched that he would want to become be the guy at this SEC job as opposed to go to Virginia Tech. Yeah, and I, I think you nailed it. I mean, just – so Beamer sort of carved out his own path too in his career. He did coach for his dad at one point for a few years at Virginia Tech, but it was a little later, you know, and so he's made a lot of different moves. Not that we're necessarily box checkers on a resume, like – taking a small school OC job just for the heck of being an OC and sort of checking that resume box. But, you know, going around and working for some different head coaches, whether it was, you know, I mean, as a GA Philip Fulmer and then Sylvester Croom at Mississippi State, George O'Leary, Steve Spurrier, you know, Kirby Smart, Lincoln Riley now. And so, and coaching in all phases of the game. So in a lot of ways, it was just about a more well-rounded approach just in general, as opposed to just, you know, hanging out with his dad at Virginia Tech for 15 or 20 years or whatever it may have been, and then looking to, you know, take over there. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, Kyle Whittingham is a guy that's been at Utah forever. He's been there for a while as a head coach, and he started there. Um, I think he either started there with his dad or – his dad took over for somebody else, but point is he coached under his dad at Utah. And we've seen that several people, you know, brothers coaching together, sons, fathers. It's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I think he just made a point to maybe distinguish himself that he's not Frank Beamer's son. You know, he's, he's Shane Beamer also. And so, uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot, you know, you mentioned the family ties, the prior experience here. This is a good job here at South Carolina. And it's a place that, uh, that they always liked. And so it's not, it's not far-fetched at all. In fact, we are of the belief, I think Wes are on the same page with this, that this might even be the preferred, you know, situation in that instance for, for Shane Beamer. Yeah. I think um, reading between the lines that that is, is safe to say it, it appears. So we'll see. All right. Still some lingering Jeff Munkin talk, I think among the fan base and, it has permeated our chat. Still a little bit of muck and talk on Twitter. I think we're going to maybe readdress this as well on GamecockCentral.com potentially in our report later on today. But worth pointing out, and, and it seems the the Flames maybe have, yeah, Toby asking, what about the guy from Army with a throwing up emoji? So I think if anybody's still worried about that, Chris, we can probably put their uh, worries away. Yeah, so we've had a couple updates during the process so far, and they were both, look, Jeff Munkin was obviously hired by Bob Caslin when he was the superintendent at West Point, now the U.S., obviously South Carolina president. And <laughs> what's up, Mike? Good point. Uh you know, and, and so there is that prior connection there, right? And obviously, Caslin thinks very highly of Jeff Munkin, who's a really good coach and has done an outstanding job at Army um, and did a good job before that at Georgia Southern. But, you know, there, there's just – what we've heard consistently is that it's not happening. You know, it's just – it's a situation where expect to hear his name because there's a connection. You may talk to him, may interview him even. Well, I don't know if that's happened for sure but that he wasn't expected to be the hire. And so I know Twitter and um, blew up a little bit yesterday. We got a lot of questions about it, but really nothing's changed on that front to where Jeff Munkin's more of a candidate than he was at the beginning of the process. Now he has pitched. Uh, he was involved for the Missouri job last year. Apparently he has pitched transitioning to a pro-style offense, hiring an OC and going pro-style. Uh, he's been an option coach as an assistant or head coach for about 17 years, so it would be – little different for him in terms of how he runs his team. Um, but still, despite that, th- there's no expectation that he's going to be the guy from what we hear. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, man, I it's not like Munkin is some some bad coach. And, right. um, you know, it, if I was – shoot, dude, if I was an ACC school, 
in like a middle of the pack looking for a coach who can maybe give me a little different edge. I'm not sure that I'm that I think that's a terrible idea if I you know if I was in an ACC school, especially the pitch of you know bring bring in a a high quality DC pro style on offense, but but some of the sort of uh, philosophical and and physical hallmarks of of what uh, Monken has done at, at Army, you know may, maybe at a different place that that's very attractive. Now, you would just worry about that at South Carolina because of the recruiting aspect and the fact that you are going into these absolute recruiting battles to land top guys, and you're going to need a staff. You're going to need coaches who have been through those and understand those you know, in order to compete here, I think. So that, that would be a huge worry. You instantly would probably get hammered by schools saying, I don't care if he's saying pro style. He's been running the triple. I mean, these SEC recruiters will, they'll, they'll latch onto anything yep. and hammer you for it. So as many of those things as you can remove, not that there's any perfect candidate. There is, there is no perfect candidate. This is all a crapshoot is the, Unfortunate, cold, hard truth, but that would ju- that would be a lot to carry into a new hire as far as giving your opponents some really, really big, uh, high caliber ammo. I would say, and they already have enough ammo. You know, I mean, that's something you got to consider. I mean, you mentioned the the hard truth of coaching hires being a crapshoot in almost every circumstance, or really all of them, honestly. That's another one for South Carolina in that they're not a logo school with this rich tradition and a huge trophy case. They've made strides in some key areas that they needed to catch up in facilities, for instance. You know, the fan support's obviously really good. The administration spends money on football. You don't have one of these administrations that's super cheap and won't give coaches any resources to go try to win. They have a lot of those things, but it does hurt when – you know, you don't have that tradition. And so when you got schools like Georgia, Florida, Auburn, now Clemson, you know, Tennessee even, they're, they're down. They've got a lot of tradition. And so these are the schools that you have to go beat for recruits a lot, a lot of times, head to head, sometimes a bunch of them at once to go out and win. And so it's already difficult enough. It's not an excuse. It's just reality. It's difficult enough to recruit under those circumstances you don't need to keep adding things. And so whether you're talking about a Munkin or you're talking to a guy like Hugh Freeze, who we who we talked about a few minutes ago, you have to consider the recruiting angle. What are, what are you going to get hammered on in recruiting? You know, and so with each of those guys, there's some different things there that you can see uh, that can make it make life difficult on the trail. And the reality is we can talk about coaches, X's and O's, development, culture, until we're blue in the face, but in the SEC, I'm going to sound like a coach in this league. (laughs) If you don't have good players, you are not going to win. Not consistently. You're not going to win a championship. The things that Gamecock fans aspire to. So a huge part of this thing is going to be who can come in here and recruit. And, And that's, that's behind the scenes, too, been a lot of the conversation. There are a bunch of different pieces of this thing, and that makes it difficult. But recruiting is a big, big part of it. No doubt. So, um, all right, Chris, before we move on and forget, um, you want to tell the folks about our friends at Dead Soxie? Yeah, so uh, West Mitchell group activity. Don't leave now, but as soon as you log off or stop, li- if you're listening on the pod, as soon as you stop listening, I want you to go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, Super awesome, custom, soft, no-show, dress, socks with non-slip, patented non-slip technology. Wes and I both have a lot of the Dead Soxy product and really enjoying those. So whether you want to go more casual with the no-shows, whether you want to go with the boardroom line of dress socks, go check those guys out. And for a limited time, Black Friday week sale, uh, use the promo code SPUR, that's S-P-U-R, to get buy one, get one free on Dead Soxy products. So you pick one, 
put it in your cart, pick another of equal or lesser value, you will get that one free. And pro tip, you can use that code as many times as you want. So if you're on the stream, there you see it, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, and your code for buy one, get one free is SPUR, S-P-U-R. So once you log off here, once we finish up the show, make sure you go over and check those guys out. We appreciate their support, and we appreciate you supporting them. We also uh, hope you'll come support us on uh, GameCockCentral.com. I'd love to see. I I know a lot of you have already come over. I see the names, um, you know, sort of slowly rolling over to GC. But um, ultimately, we want everybody – we want everybody on Gamecock Central to watch and listen to the show, but we want everybody that's watching or listening to the show to also be on Gamecock Central. So we'd love to see you over there at GC. And um, also, we have a, a special code for that right now. Gamecocks will get you um, 50% off uh, annual subscription. And also, another code we're not really putting out there, but we'll give you guys here on the uh, podca- podcast slash live show, GC Pod. We'll, um, get you 30-day free trial. That's GC Pod 30-day free trial is our official and exclusive podcast code to get you a little free time there on the site if you are a new subscriber. So, all right, before we get back to the actual game a little bit, Chris, is there anything else, any other thoughts you have on coaching search right now, or are we just going to make everybody wait until we do an update tonight? I think it'd be more fun to make everybody wait on the update. Gathering some information, like you said, we're both working the phones. Going to continue that right after we log off here, and uh, hopefully we'll have some good stuff later this afternoon or this evening. Yep, so keep an eye on that. We'll, of course, have it on our front page. We'll tweet it out, and uh, you know all, all of our social media stuff. You'll You'll see it. You'll find it, but be on the lookout for that at some point tonight. So, Chris, I don't know how much of Georgia you've been able to watch this year. I've watched them a little bit. Um, JT Daniel, it, it seems like, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen him a lot, but it seems like based on what the players have said, what Bobo has said, and some things I've seen just around the internet, some other media stuff, some stories, that with JT Daniel, it has maybe – increase their ability to throw the ball around a little bit, maybe get the ball down the field vertically a little bit more. Now they're facing a Mississippi State team that obviously has not been great, has uh, has really not been great on, on either side of the ball. But um, it, it does kind of sound like that he has brought a little bit different element to their offense. Yeah, he's a guy that was, you know, JT Daniels was a highly regarded guy when he – got to Southern Cal, of course, transferred to Georgia. And there was a lot of wondering of, man, if this kid's so good, why is he not playing, you know, yet after he transferred? And so um, a lot of people have said, even though he was cleared medically, which was a question coming into the year, then he needed more time to get fully healthy. And so did get his shot last week and definitely did a good job. I mean, made some made some big throws, made some plays through the air, seemed to inject some energy into that team. And, I mean, that makes it an even more difficult proposition for the Gamecocks because we knew Georgia. I mean, you always think of their identity for years and years as a team that can, you know, run the football, but also a team that can be balanced, you know. And a lot of times this year they've relied too much on the pass. Georgia hasn't have have not been as successful or they've just done more of their damage when they have been successful on the ground. Mike Bobo – pointed out today that JT Daniels is going to give them the ability to become more balanced offensively. Uh, They've got, I mean, Jermaine Burton's done a really good job for them at receiver, another big time recruit uh, from their last class. So they have some guys at wide out that can hurt you at tight end that can hurt you. The JT Daniels can, can make some throws, gives them another added element there to go with that, that run game that, you know, can give you some difficulties and a really, really fast and talented defense. Yeah, that, that's um, that's where I was about to go with it, dude. These guys, what now? Whether they're up or down on offense with with Kirby, and and you know maybe there's some in game decisions that that people who are Georgia fans question at times with Kirby. It, it seems like, regardless of all that, these guys always have a really big, strong, fast defense, and 
I thought it was intriguing that, you know, Bobo was saying today that, that they actually play quite a bit of two high safeties, which you, to me, you don't see near as much of in this league. Most, ev- not everybody, but for the most part, to me, it feels like this is such a league traditionally based on stopping the run that even if you're facing a team with a good passing attack, stopping the run is first, second, and third priority. And you see that that extra safety in the box. So so what happens anytime you know you have a safety, extra safety in the box, that means you're in single high safety look. You're sort of saying we're going to stop the run, but it does, depending on what coverage you play out of that single high look, it, it does open up maybe some some other things potentially in the passing game, whether it's underneath or over the top, depending on the coverage. Well, Georgia, I guess, is so good up front, both defensive line and linebackers, they feel that they don't need that safety in the box. So then they play too high, which gives them all this freedom and ability to do different things in the passing game as far as pass coverage, having an extra defender, drop back in the passing game. So to me, if you're South Carolina, you're looking at that. For one, this this is a horrible matchup, y'all. It's an, it's it has the potential to be ugly. There's no shy Smith. To me, Chris, Georgia is one of those defenses. If you don't have guys that can keep them honest, they will just squeeze the life out of other offenses. That may be what happens on, on Saturday. But the first key, as it is for South Carolina every week, is going to be a, to be able to run the football and force Georgia to at least respect your run enough that they have to get out of those two high looks and and bring that that extra defender down into the box. Then you got to prove you can complete passes on them, which who knows if you can do that. But uh, to to me, that that's the the big deal there. It is, and you know. We've seen even with all this talent Georgia has, you know, we saw Florida lighten them up, but it, you know, it's not it's not a fair comparison. You know, South Carolina does not have the level of skill players that Florida does. Florida lit them up with a lot of, you know, wheel route stuff. They really did a good job of involving the running backs in the passing game. And so, Mike Bobo, I mean, he he was sort of joking this week when he said, "Look, I'm just I'm trying to watch tape, figuring out, try to figure out how we're going to get a first down." and Sort of joking, but I mean, really, that's what you've got to look at with with no shy Smith, with the limitations that South Carolina already had in terms of receivers. He's really going to have to get creative, you know, to find ways to, you know, get Kevin Harris the football and Deshaun Fenwick, whether it's in the run game in the pass game. Um, how can you involve some receivers? Can you get them some the ball in space a little bit? Can you find ways to scheme them open a little bit more? Uh, can you involve Nick Muse? I mean, th- these are going to be the questions that they've got to answer, and it is a really, really difficult proposition because Georgia's going to challenge South Carolina, come beat us one-on-one. They don't have a lot of guys in the passing game, South Carolina doesn't, that can give you that man-beating potential, right? And so that puts even more pressure on the run game, which you would, you know Georgia, it's going to be tough to run on them anyway, but they're going to be able to load up and dedicate even more personnel to that. So – quarterback situation going into Saturday as we talked about earlier Bobo says they know but they're not announcing I I know it's easy to come out of Saturday and say Doty sparked the offense you should definitely start Doty I can see both sides of this argument I think there is a now I think big picture playing Doty as much as possible the final two games and getting him reps is important Chris, I also think just sending him out there to the Wolves and if you know if he's just going to get beat up for you know for for 3 hours on Saturday and get hit and knocked around and not have any chance to be successful and and potentially ruin ruining the confidence in your young player. I think that's a consideration for me as well. So if you're making this decision is it just let's you know let let Doty go play, or are you going to say okay, start Colin Hill? He's got the experience. He knows every he knows all the intricacies of this offense. Let's start Colin Hill, and then 
introduce Doty into the game without quite as much pressure as being the starter? You know, just me, I would play Doty. I mean, that, that's just me, just because I think, you, you know, it's an almost it's almost a what do you have to lose type thing. And and with so many playmakers out, well, really, I mean, Shy Smith, look, call it like it is. I mean, Shy Smith and Kevin Harris have been the two bell cow playmakers for this team. There been some others that have shown some good things, whether it's a, a Fenwick or a Nick Muse. But Doty's a guy who can make plays at the quarterback position. And so when you assess it, and if you're trying to figure out how are we going to get a first down or how can we put some points on the board, that is a way by playing Luke Doty. Is he going to give you as much, you know, knowledge? Is he going to give you maybe as much of a steady hand in terms of run checks and, and you know, being able to audible and things like that? Probably not because of the experience level. He doesn't have a lot, but – he probably makes up for that in just his ability to improvise, to run. We saw flashes of that against Missouri, and nobody's saying it's going to be a gigantic difference when you play Luke Doty. We should expect South Carolina to start lighting up the scoreboard. But I do think he gives you a better chance to move the ball in offense because Georgia is so fast, because South Carolina's had some issues this year, you know, losing some pass rush situations, whether it's, for a variety of reasons, people running the wrong routes, Colin Hill not stepping up, one-on-one losses for the O-line or tight ends. Uh, but I think just putting all of it into it, into that equation, you know, Doty makes probably more sense to me at this point in the season. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, we'll see. I um, I I think I lean the other way, but I, I like I said, I I can I can go either way on that. I'm I'm starting Doty regardless against Kentucky. This may be the completely wrong way to look at it, but I also just there's part of me that says I don't want my my freshman out there just getting smashed for if I if I've watched the because coaches know man they they have a pretty good feel are we going to be able to compete on Saturday or not? Um, it may not be the popular decision, but I still I think there is a case to be made for just trotting Hill out there again and then getting Doty in there in in spurts. But but we'll see. We'll see what they decide to do. Obviously, like I said, you can make a case for either side, and, and I'll, I'll go with you either way. So um, let, let's throw a couple more little shout-outs, little game balls to people, man. Somebody mentioned Trey Adkins on this thing. Trey Adkins got to speak to the media today. There there were some dudes from Saturday that I, I think if, if you're going to be positive um, – you know, stepped up considering all, all things around him. Trey Atkins made some plays last year, dude. Caught a couple of balls against App State. Had a nice catch against A&M. His best catch, I think, Saturday was taken out uh, by a holding call, but still just showed an ability to go get the football. Man, Chris, I'm not so sure this Trey Atkins catch shouldn't have been on the field at some point earlier this year because he got open and he caught the football. Um, from what I understand, he's been great as far as the scout team all year long. One of these guys that just shows up to work, does what he's supposed to do, and catches the football with all the problems at receiver. Dude, I, I'm not so sure he shouldn't have been on the field earlier. Yeah, and you know he got to play last year when the injury bug really hit the receiving core. Uh, remember the game against Texas A&M, he had an outstanding catch. So he's shown a little bit of a knack, you know, and – you're right, man. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of why he has not played so far, but at this point, again, you know, they they played some different guys. Uh, Josh Van continues to every now and then show some flashes. Uh, just hasn't been apparently consistent enough in terms of getting open and making plays. But they've they've trotted out Rico Powers, some freshmen, Jakari Caldwell, some guys that have a chance to be good players, but at this point, you know, have not made a significant impact. So. If you're searching for some guys that maybe you can count on, maybe Trey Atkins is somebody you can put out there and and try to uh, try to see if he can make some things happen for you. You certainly showed some he, – he, he proved his medal, I think, a little bit on, on Saturday night. So it would be interesting to see if he gets more opportunities. Yep, and he uh, – and I think dude was, was shy more, more than likely out. Yeah. Shoot, he, he may draw a start. We'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see if the carry-on is um, – is good to go or not? Uh, Bill asked where is Atkins from. He is a walk on from Hillcrest High, right? He went to That's Hillcrest. Right. Had a big senior year. 
and really wasn't uh, didn't have a big career before that, but had a, a big senior year, as he said today. Perry Orth helped get him in touch with the right people, and then um, walks on, and the rest is history. On defense, Chris, I'm I'm giving my shout out to Cam Smith because the way the season started for Cam, you know the 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 play on special teams with the ball bounced off of him. He's gotten beat on a few plays otherwise. To go out there with no JC, no Izzy, you know, no RJ, obviously at safety. And then, um, you know, did he get did he get beat on a couple of, of plays as well? That's going to happen at cornerback. But to get his head around there and, and make that interception and just sort of uh, battle it out, I think Cam showed showed some metal, and we've always known that Cam, I think, has had some had some developing to do, but that Cam has has a high upside and is a talented dude. So I think um, that should be a positive sign for South Carolina fans from Cam. Yeah, and you know, I think it was almost unfair how he had a lot of expectations on him because of recruiting. You know, some of the some of the expectations are maybe too high. We, we tried to temper that and say, look, Cam has physical tools, right, but he needs a little time. And so played just a little bit last year. And this year, you know, early on, obviously had the moments against Tennessee, like you mentioned, Wes. But he's a guy where you can see that he has that ability. Um, he's been close on a couple plays that just haven't gone his way. And I'll tell you, if, if you're a defensive back playing against – receivers at a high level you're going to get beat sometimes it's just the reality of the situation especially on some close 50 50 plays and that doesn't mean it's a good thing right but but every db gets beat it's about how do you respond and so i think he responded well the other night by playing that ball really well connor Bazelak, missouri quarterback throws it up he intercepted it and so i do think we've seen and for what we've heard that he's made some progression he just needs some time and I do think you see, though, that he's got the raw tools to where he could develop into a quality player for South Carolina. No doubt. All right, I think that's going to do it for today. Um, Chris, we, we didn't go into specifics about the game day chair, so do you want to tell everybody about uh, the game day chair and how they can get a game day chair? And I don't know, man, if they're going to have one for Thanksgiving, they need to get on that because I know if you're going to watch some football on Thanksgiving, sort of um, – crash after loading up on uh what is it tryptophan that's in turkey if you want to load up on turkey and and have to pass out watching football thursday night you need to get on it and and get a game day chair you do so call those guys 803-926-1493 the game day chair perfect for football watching for a nap you know after your uh maybe your afternoon turkey sandwich like i do Check out the game day chair, affordablemedicalusa.com or 803-926-1493. Awesome addition to your living room, to your man cave. Uh, Variety of just push button positions that you can get to instantly. Super comfortable, super roomy. So make sure you check those guys out at affordablemedicalusa.com. Yeah, appreciate it. Bill says his back is killing him. Bill, go get you a game day chair, man. You will, will not regret it. Somebody asked, is Birch hurt? Birch is, yes, I don't know what it is, but he is questionable for Saturday, according to Mike Bobo. Um, We'll see you all tomorrow, and I'm going to try to get Colin Taylor on because uh, it's the start of basketball season. So we'll talk about that. Probably, what do you say, Chris, no show on Thursday? Right. No Thanksgiving show. And then Friday, maybe we'll get – uh, a Georgia, a dog on uh, to talk about the Bulldogs. So, all right, y'all. You got anything else, Chris? Nah, man. I muted myself again. I went through the whole show and then I did it, like click the button for some reason. We're good. All right. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Appreciate the uh, support as always. See y'all on Wednesday. Have a good one. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. 
That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.